for the title. Got it. Good snap. The hold is down. It's long enough. It is good. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. Today's guest involved with one of the toughest sports of all, rodeo, specifically bareback riding. He's a Belfouche native, a four-time world bareback champion. He was the regular season money leader as well in the PRCA four times. He represented the USA at the Calgary Olympics in 1988, and he also came back after sustaining some severe injuries in a plane crash in 1998. He's in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame and also the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. By the way, his brother also is in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. He's marvelous Marvin Garrett. Marvin, welcome to In Play. Well, thank you. Good to be with you. All right, where did the nickname come from? Who gets the credit for coming up with uh, the marvelous Marvin Garrett? Oh, man. I would have to I'd have to think on that. I think it comes from Dwayne uh, uh, Peters. He was a rodeo announcer um, back in the early 80s. And uh, I want to say it come from him. It could have been sparked by Bob Logue also. I can't remember. <laughs> well, it's got a great ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think Bob Logue called me Chipmunk, I think. <laughs> Chipmunk or Marvelous. So, yeah, you get, to get your <laughs> yeah. pick there, Marvin. Uh, you had a lot of success as a wrestler before you really got into rodeo. Uh, uh, talk yeah, about sir. your yeah. wrestling career. I mean, you were pretty successful uh, as a wrestler. Yeah, wrestling was a big sport for me. I I really took to it and really loved doing it um, and worked hard at it. And uh, we were in Wyoming when I wrestled, and so I wrestled for Hewlett. Um, but, yeah, went uh, went a long ways with that and uh, had the scholarships to uh, Dan Gable School out there in Iowa. I didn't go. I wish, you know, I wish it could have been different. I'd love to do it because I really – uh, was just about as passionate as wrestling as I was rodeo, but uh, uh, rodeo just seemed to to fit me a little bit better, and uh, I just couldn't get the Bronx out of my mind. So that's that's the direction I took. When did rodeo start catching your eye? Oh, at a very early age, I had a couple uncles that rodeoed, Bud and Kenny Day, and and I had uh, several cousins rodeoed. My older brother and and, uh, so, I mean, it was, it was something that, uh, we played when we was kids as, uh, remember back in, you know, as early as probably five, six years old and playing rodeo in the backyard, you know, and, <laughs> and as we got older and moved, uh, to Wyoming and, and on the ranch there, we put a bucking barrel up in an old horse barn that we had. And, uh, every, every year we'd watch the Heston telecast NFR on TV and back then we only got three channels and <laughs> and that was one of them we was pretty lucky to get that we really enjoyed watching that and then when we were just as soon as we was done watching it we'd go down and emulate all them guys riding that we've seen and and on the bucking barrel and uh, yeah it was just uh, childhood was you know at that time was just outstanding and uh, we didn't know no better was whether it was 20 below or uh, <laughs> 15 above. We was on that bucket barrel every uh, December 
pretending we was at the NFR riding barebacks and broncs and bulls. So. You rode your first steer, though, at the age of 12. How did that come about? Yeah, well, uh, steer riding was, was awful fun. And, and what a great starter, you know, gets you involved with the competition and, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, we, we had, we was pretty fortunate. We had a bunch of dads back there where we were, uh, on the ranch that had a roping club and they built an arena on the neighbor's place. And, and then they had some roping steers that they bought and, uh, when they wasn't roping, we was riding them, and, and they was good with that, and they helped us out, and we had a ball. What were the size of the steers at the time that you would ride? Oh, they were probably in the six, 700 range. <laughs> and a uh, teenager riding the steers. Did your mother know right. at the time? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They you got yeah, her blessing on it. <laughs> yeah, they were all gung ho, you know. And yeah, but until I started getting <laughs> yeah. a little older and wanting to ride bulls, and mom kind of put her foot down. When I turned fifteen, I was too old to ride steers, and and uh, so I was going to ride bulls, but she wouldn't. She didn't want me doing that. She said you pick one of the horse events, so I I picked the wildest event I could, and it was bareback ride, and that's kind of. After I got started getting on bareback horses, fell in love with it and, and wanted to perfect it the best way I could. And, and I spent the rest of my life career doing that, you know, it's just working hard to, to be better. So, so how do you train though, to ride bareback horses? Oh, there's a mechanic of your uh, body mechanics of your body. Um, it's kind of hard to, uh, maybe say it over the phone with people that maybe don't understand it, but. Um, you ride a bareback horse with a, uh, a single handhold on a little rigging um, that you strap on the horse's withers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in order to make a good ride, you have to have your shoulders behind your hips and you got to have your chin down, got to have kind of a curl in your upper body and you got to be driving that power from your upper body to your feet. Uh, if you got your hips pointed towards the, sh- towards the neck, you're, it's easy to get your feet to the neck and that's where they need to be. And, uh, but you have to, there's several different things about body mechanics that you got to have, uh, to make it all work. And, uh, there's, there's times when it's uh, real difficult depending on what horses you're getting on. You know, when the, uh, the comparing the mechanics of riding a bull compared to a, a bareback, uh, horse, you know, on a, on a bull, it seems the, the Cowboys are trying to stand or to sit up as much as possible, but on the bareback horse, you're kind of leaning back a lot more. Is that part of the technique? Right. Right. And it's, 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 it kind of helps you keep your hips on your rigging. So you're lifting that rigging to your nose. You're trying to, and, (laughs) and you've got to keep your shoulders behind your hips. So you're, so you're back to tish and you can be back a little farther than that if you want to, but, uh, it takes a, takes several years of, of learning how to do that, do it correctly. But, um, in the bull ride you kind of get up off your pocket and you, and you get out over your bull. And so if you can imagine it uh, like a teeter totter, if you sit in the middle, there ain't a lot of movement to it. Right. Right. So if you get out on the end and the guy's 
jumps on the other end, it wants Uh-oh. to lift you up out of there. Trouble. <laughs> so in the bull riding, if you're if you're back behind that that little pendulum, then it's there's a lot of power there. But if so, if you ride a bull up over uh, over his shoulders, uh, per se, then then you get you don't get as much power there. So how much of uh, the rodeo aspect of life was going on when you were in high school? I mean, you were wrestling. Did you play any other sports? Or was rodeo one of those where it, w- it was a year-round commitment? Well, uh, you know, when we were in high school, we naturally, you know, of course, went to all the high school rodeos. In Wyoming, uh, I really want to credit Wyoming, too, for, you know, when you're high school rodeo in Wyoming, uh, you can go to these rodeos and you can actually win money. I think we went to 18 or 21 of them rodeos and you'd win, uh, for winning first or second, you'd win anywhere from 150, 250 bucks. And so for a kid at that age, you know, back, back in the 1981 or 80s, uh, that was pretty good little money for a guy to, rodeo in the summertime and make some money and wintertime you know we didn't didn't do a lot of riding then but we did a lot of fur uh trapping and hunting and uh <laughs> yeah we sold a lot of raccoon skins and made money that way in the wintertime and that was that was really really fun back then and it was really uh, something you could do to make money you know when did you decide it, that you wanted to go on the pro rodeo circuit well, I I dreamed of you know going to the NFR as early as back back when I was watching it on TV. You know, I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old. But uh, when it really became a reality uh, that I could do it um, was probably when I I won runner up in the NRCA and then I won the championship in 1982, I believe. And then in, in 1983, I got my permit, and I didn't go to an amateur rodeo after that. I just went to pro rodeos and filled my card at Deadwood. And I think I went to eight rodeos and filled my permit. Rookie of the year, your first year. Yeah, then the next year I bought my card and then uh, won rookie of the year that year. Yeah. Wow. wow. Did you have a coach at all? How did, how did you know you were going to get better? just the will and you know it's it's one of them deals where you see the guys that are winning and you see what they're doing and you you critique that and then you 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 put your own twist on it and the more you do that the more confidence you get and when you get your confidence or what you're doing is all because uh, when you spur a horse out and you build your ride it slows that horse down i don't care what he's doing if he's real fast or or real got a lot of moves or whatever you can slow that animal down pick him up and when you start feeling like you got that confidence and back then i remember thinking man i don't think there's anything to throw me off and (laughs) and then i of course i had a lot of a lot of mentors back then like lonnie hall um you know he was encouraging me to go you know and and eventually in 83 i went with lonnie hall uh i traveled with Larry hamilton a good friend of mine uh, passed away here a while back, but mm. he was a real good friend, and we rodeoed together in '83 uh, and and part of '84, and then I got in with Lonnie Hall, and Lonnie was uh, 
at the end of his career, and he said, you need to get in with somebody that's going to go try to go to the finals. So he hooked me up with a guy out in Idaho called, uh, named Mickey Young, had one runner-up to the world championship three times and was a heck of a bareback rider. So I met him and got in with him and finished my rookie year out with him. And, and uh, he was a great friend. We rodeoed together for uh, just a little over four years together. You know, during during the season, you know, how much travel was involved, and who did you travel with? Were there a lot of other cowboys that would travel? You'd all travel together. How did that work out? Oh yeah, back then, you know, you'd get in a van or a car. You know, most of the time, I couldn't wait to get a van because I was sick of riding in a car with four or five guys. You know, <laughs> so uh, the first year, I remember when we made the finals in '86 come home well actually it was right before i went to the finals i got a van uh guy that owned queen city motors back then sponsored me and <laughs> and gave me a pretty good deal on a van and, and uh so we we took that rodeo that with that and then i made the finals in 86 and uh was set to make the finals in 85 but it broke my leg real bad at hugo oklahoma oh and I was in the top 10 at that time, and then that put me out, and it took me all the rest of the year to heal up. And uh, then I come back, and in 86, we made the finals uh, traveling with Mickey Young and and, uh, 87 and and 88. 88, I think he was about ready to hang her up, so then I got in with uh, Wayne Herman from North Dakota. Real good cowboy, he's a real good bareback rider, one of the best there ever been. And uh, we rodeoed together for about four years, and then my brother got in. I I was kept trying to get my brother to go with me, and and he was rodeoing amateur back home, and he finally got a got enough. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you call it. He was doing so good where he was at. He didn't know why he needed to leave, you know, <laughs> but. I finally convinced him and he, he went with us and, uh, and then he, uh, you know, eventually made the finals in, in 89 and, and several times after that. Yep. But and he's in the pro rodeo hall of fame as well. From that point on, it was me and Mark and, and then Larry Sandvik and Ken Lindsgraf, Merle Temple. Uh, that's some great names. They, yeah. There was a bunch of good ones and the best year I'm maybe jumping the gun on the interview, but, uh, just thinking of them guys, you know, the best year that I ever had rodeoing was when Mark won the world and in 1996 and Kenny won second and I won third and Larry ended up fourth or so. fifth. So the way, the reason I say that is there's not very often you can take four guys, stick them in an outfit <laughs> and finish in the top five of the world. Uh, you know, because every day you compete, you're competing against those guys that are in your van because you're at the same rodeo. Marvin, 1988, you represented America at the Olympics in Calgary. What was that experience like? Oh, that was that was uh, just about as neat as it could be. Uh, I always dreamed of going to the Olympics and wrestling, you know, and. Uh, when I realized that wasn't going to happen, I forgot about it pretty quick. But uh, when the opportunity to go go to the Olympics there in Calgary came up for the rodeo deal, man, I was it was 
it was just about as good to as winning a world title to me. You know, it was pretty neat. And then to get to be up there and compete with, be in the same place as all the skiers and the downhill, you know, the just the skaters, the hockey players, and and they, it was just one big, uh, neat deal. Everybody respected each everybody. I thought that you know rodeo would be kind of looked down upon there, but man, it was a big deal, and and the stands were full every night. There was a lot of intermingling with the uh, different, uh, you know, con- uh, Olympic contestants. I actually traded a team coat with a guy from France. He was the three-time downhill skier world champ. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> his name was Eric Laborek. And he was sitting at a table by us, and he was – he, of course we didn't, I couldn't understand him, but he came over and we kind of, we kind of figured out what each other was talking about. He just was really excited about the rodeo and, and he had a big old coat on and it had his team and stuff on it and medals and stuff and little pins, I guess, not medals, uh-huh. Olympic uh-huh. pins, but he wanted to trade me coats. And I had my, team jacket on with a denim coat just said usa <laughs> he gave it to him <laughs> so i said heck yeah so i swapped him coat and i i felt like i kind of got there so i gave him a cowboy hat and he wore that cowboy hat everywhere he went oh do you still have the coat cool. oh i do i just found it the other day <laughs> pretty, pretty neat over seven years you would win the world bareback title four times leading money leader four times there was a time you didn't get bucked off a horse for six years. Right. How confident were you getting on a horse during a rodeo event, knowing that you were going to ride that horse? Uh, you know, you just, you know, I teach a lot of bareback riding and we coaching up here and you try and help them youngsters out and stuff. But, uh, there is, there is a will to win and there's just a will to not give up. Um, and I always want to be able to ride and win on anything that they run in the chute, whether it was the rankest horse that nobody wanted or the sorriest to ride horse nobody wanted. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. I felt like I could get on it and I could win on it. And, um, you know, with, with the group that I traveled with, that was kind of the way we thought. And, and we won a lot of money on horses that guys didn't win on. Um, and, just that confidence is is a big deal. Uh, it can just add to your list of horses that I can't think of at the time of horses that were were around that I dreaded. Matter of fact, I chased one all the way from Spanish Forks. Uh, well, it wasn't Spanish Forks. It was St. George, Utah. We was at a match. There's a big gray horse called Big Chill or uh, High Chaparral. Uh, both of them horses that I mentioned right there were probably the rankest horses of their day. <laughs> um, and I, get, I ended up getting half of him drawed at a, at a short round in Swift Prince, Saskatchewan. And when I called back, it was going to be tough for us to make it. And secretary there, the guy that kind of headed up the, the bareback directorship, he's, 
he was on the phone with her. He said, Marv, you ain't going to want to come anyway. Your horse, you got high chaparral. Well, man, that horse bucks, and and he is ranked. And he's dropped. He does, he's got everything. He's got some moves. He walks on his front. Uh, tremendous power. And uh, I said, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the plane we're in won't get us there in time, but the guy that was putting on the rodeo where I was at at St. Uh, George had a Lear jet, and he, he said that we could use it. Oh, nice. It costed us quite a bit. It costed us 1500 bucks a piece, and there was four of us going. <laughs> and so I called that Jim Dunback, and I said, to tell you what, if you can, if you can move that bareback ride into the second event, we'll be there. <laughs> and he did and they did and we got in that plane and we jetted up there and uh i ended up winning the short round on him and and uh won the oh, i won the rodeo but i only won 1800 little over 1800 bucks and it cost me 1500 bucks to get the job done <laughs> yeah but it was well worth it wasn't it <laughs> so i always tell that story because in my mind, I won. That was a big payday for me because I proved the point. I proved it to myself. I proved it to people that didn't think I could do it, and uh, walked away there. If I'm happier than heck, make you know a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Injuries play a major part in uh, the sport of rodeo. What were the most serious injuries uh, you sustained while you know in rodeo, and how did you overcome them? Oh man, there's, there's lots of times, uh, I have a good wife. (laughs) Take care of you. (laughs) Oh man, she takes care of me. And, and all those tough times that, uh, uh, that comes in handy to have family backing. Um, you know, I've had broken bones, broken legs, and it's all disappointing and it all holds you back and you think, man, I need to be out there. And, but the guy has to find a little bit of peace and, and where you're at and, and thank God that, uh, that I was able to find it. And it's through him that I found it, but you just got to take the time to heal up and you come back stronger. Um, but from legs to arms, to shoulders, to sternums, to lower abdominals, lower abdominals do not ever want anybody to have to go through that. That's terrible. Um, that takes a long time to heal up. That takes about seven months. Uh, we started back at five and it's, it's too early, but we did it anyway. And, and it's, it's dang sure tough. Maybe the toughest uh, experience you had in 1998, flying with your brother and two other cowboys to compete in California and your plane crashed. It did kill the pilot. What do you remember from that event? And what do you think about it still today? Well, you know, that was definitely the worst thing that ever happened to us. And for, for first and foremost, we lost our good friend, uh, Johnny Morris in that plane. And, um, man, it's been a long time, probably, I don't know, 20 some years. And I still get choked up about it. But The story was that your brother Marv was the one who pulled you guys out of the wreckage and probably yeah, saved Mark- your life. Mark saved it. Yeah, Mark was uh, was the one that was in the in the far back, and and uh, everybody else, of course, had broken backs and pelvises and arms, and 
and uh, it's just it's a miracle. Uh, I would say, uh, uh, you know, I know Johnny had all the confidence like we did riding. Johnny was actually a, a world champion, old timers bareback riding champ, and and uh, I think in '93, and he had rode bareback all of his life, and then was a heck of a pilot. Um, but we ended up having to rent a plane, and it had a uh, fuel leak that we didn't know about, and uh, that's that's what happened to that plane was we run out of fuel. You broke um, your back. Uh, you broke an arm in the crash. Was there a time after that crash you thought maybe rodeo was done, that uh, you weren't going to go anymore? Well, I'll tell you, I spent a lot of time in a daze for a week. They had me on morphine, and uh, I broke my back and had a big or a leak in my spinal cord, and they didn't think I'd be able to walk. And, and I just laid there. Still as I could, you know, they kept me as still as they could. I was in there, I think, 14 days. They finally fixed my arm. had a real bad break in my arm and, and nerve damage and and then the broken back. And had a real good doctor out there. He put me together pretty good. And when I finally could kind of come to and knew what was going on, I knew that if I could walk, I could ride bucking horses, and oh, that's what uh, oh. my train of thought was through all that. Oh, my. And uh, there was lots of down times, you know, once we got out of there and got back home. I remember my father-in-law, Larry, he brung his, uh, you know, RV out there and brung us all home when it was all done. I know Johnny passed away out there, and uh, just a real tough time for all of us, and but, uh, like I said, Mark was made it all happen. I mean, he got everybody out and if there was anybody going to be able to be saved, he was, he had them out and they was ready to roll, you know? So, uh, what was that first time on a horse after the airplane accident? What was that like oh, what were you the, going through? I had a cold at Denver when I finally did crack out and Mark went down there and Kenny and Larry and had a yellow horse with little colts and turned back and was pretty fun. I, I rode him pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I remember Mark was out there hollering at me and, and whistle blows. Then that horse takes off down the wall and Mark was right in front of me. I could see Mark <laughs> in front of the horse. He's running, trying to get out of the way. We about smoked him. But anyway, <laughs> he, he jumped to the side and the horse went by and, got off but yeah it was all big deal that was a that was a really really big deal that i was back out there again you know yeah two years after the plane crash you qualify for your 12th and final time at the national finals rodeo you're about what 37 at that time about 37 years old you know 16 years in pro rodeo uh did you know that that was going to be your last attempt for the uh, nfr yeah, I knew it would. I knew uh, one reason I wanted to go back there is because I didn't want to be, you know, always say that, well, I broke my back, so I never got to go back. So uh, my big deal was getting back to the NFR and then quitting when I wanted to quit, you know. And I never really wanted to quit, ever. 
<laughs> well, you were still barebacking when you were 43 still. Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> I got on my last one when I was 45. <laughs> but I never did try to go back to the finals that, you know, after 2000. I just I rodeoed hard enough to my son, Weston, was going to be coming up and have his card. So I wanted to go with him. And so I stayed busy. You know, just stayed in rodeo shape. So when he was ready to go, I was ready to go with him, and 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 that worked out. I got to rodeo with West in a couple of years, and I, uh, I, the first year it was his rookie year. And We're talking about your we son Weston here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Went to went to Fort Worth, and he ends up breaking his femur, oh, <laughs> getting off a horse down there. Oh. And so, I. I thought, well, he's got to go home and heal up, and I might as well keep rodeo and stay in shape because he's going to be ready to go next year, you know. So I just stayed at it. I think I went to probably 50 rodeos that year and oh. had a lot of fun uh, oh. anyway because I was rodeoing with Larry and some some good friends that, uh, that I'd, you know, rodeoed all through my career with. And, and then at the same time, I just took it like I was not really – pushing to go to the finals i was just riding to stay in shape and have fun and and love riding bucking horses and that's what i did and then then when weston healed up uh weston and me and dustin looper we took off and rodeoed for a couple years and had a lot of fun oh that's great that is great you know what and your and your brother mark was with you a long time as well on the pro rodeo circuit what was that like you know being with your brother, even though he beat you a few times, uh, what was it like having having Mark with you? Oh, it's outstanding. I, yeah, just uh, the the amount of support each of us had for each other, and uh, the help that each other gives each other. I mean, it was all took very, you know, very hard. There was no. We have a really good relationship, and and uh, he's always been. Uh, always been there for me and i've always been there for him he's been a big big part of my life and how great was it he went into the pro rodeo hall of fame as well he had to go in as as with with you going in right (laughs) well another thing i might add is just just having him win a world title you know i always say that's my fifth one he got it (laughs) (laughs) you know but you won six bareback titles at the Black Hills Roundup in your hometown of Bellefouche. Did you have that hometown advantage uh, at that time? You know, I must have. I must have drawn off good there. Every time I think about Bellefouche, I think I I probably drawed real good. <laughs> you know, it made me hard to beat there. There's a couple times that uh, I think one time they had a big Kessler. Uh, Hank bought a Kessler horse from. Uh, uh, Greg Kessler, and uh, the big stud, and uh, I remember that horse. Uh, I had to double grab on that horse right out of there. I he had me <laughs> upside down, I, and it didn't do so good that day. <laughs> well, you live near Rosette, Wyoming. It's uh, near Gillette. Um, you've got a couple of daughters. You got your son Weston. It is a a rodeo family. What is keeping you busy today, Marvin? Well, today we, uh, I work at a coal mine, uh, about 20 minutes from the house here. And we got a little, little 
cow calf out operation and I run a bunch of bucking horses and that's that kind of keeps me busy we do uh I do the college coach uh, I'm the coach for the rough stock part of the college rodeo team for which college uh Gillette College okay community college gotcha but you're also a coal miner yeah and I coal yeah drives in big rigs and loaders and scrapers and you know that's something that never really appealed to me it ain't something i set out to do but when i got <laughs> done rodeoing and, and there's a whole nother part of my life as far as the uh a rough stock series that we had for 10 years that was going pretty good but fell through when i quit doing that i uh, knew needed to do something and uh uh i thought well heck i had a I had a cousin, Dave, he worked over here at the power plant, and he said, Marv, you ought to put in over there. He said, I'll give you, you know, I'll, I'll call him and tell him you're going to be putting in. So I, <laughs> I I went over there. I didn't think much of it. Met with the manager, and and uh, he was a big rodeo fan, and he hired me. <laughs> and I thought, man, so I, I'm going to have to learn all this stuff. I don't, you know, but I can learn. And, uh, so anyway, learn, I did, uh, had a lot of good people at that mine that, uh, helped me out, uh, on different pieces of equipment and it became really pretty interesting. And, uh, I was, I was very thankful for the opportunity to, to, uh, be able to make a, a decent living there. And, uh, at the same time, be kind of. Uh, driven and pushed to get better at each piece of equipment. So, I mean, it's, it's, it kind of tied in with the rodeo deal just a little bit. Wow. And uh, it's been a been quite fun. Marvin, i got a couple more questions for you. You know, your mom never wanted you to ride a bull. Did you ever get a chance to ride one? I did. I, I, think, I, I think the number is about 15 or 16 bulls I've rode. Uh, I think I got thrown off of two of them and they were both NFR bulls, <laughs> but yeah, I, I rode a few bulls and, and it was fun. And I, I still, even when I was doing it, I, I can't remember the last one I got on was probably a KC Wyoming, uh, at, at the C Clayson Memorial. Uh, that would have been maybe late eighties, early nineties was probably the last time I rode bull. Um, but, uh, Oh, a lot of fun, but, uh, I didn't, I never did feel the passion to do it for a living sure. and to add it to my, you know, add it to what I was doing. I wanted to kind of stick with the bareback ride and it's way easier to get traveling partners in one event and stay hooked, uh, than be bouncing around like Ty Murray. He was in all them events. I don't know how he did it. That you know, he's uh, that in itself. You should be able to get an award for just for doing it. <laughs> well, when you decided to ride the bull, you told your mom, "Don't worry, I'll be okay." Right? You, you assured right, her that yeah. you would be just fine. Right? <laughs> you know, when you take a, a look back at your career, is there still one event that you keep remembering? Uh, whether you oh. won or whether you lost, was there, was there one event that still comes into the back of your mind, uh, with a great career oh, that you yeah. had? 
yeah, you know, it, the first kind of, you know, there's so many of them, but um, I think about them rodeos still today. I I got pictures on my wall, and and the pictures I have on my wall aren't all the all the nice little horses that I got on that I could make really good rides on. They were the horses that were hard to make good rides on, and them were the horses that I have on my wall. And I every time I look at them, I remember the time at Reno when I won Reno on Big Chill and how he circled there and how droppy he was and how you could feel your muscles tearing and he was just he was rank and and the time at then there's one of of high Taparel and at houston um i ended up getting on that horse at that high Taparel like seven times and did quite well on him every time i got on him and there's just them kind of horses that just stand out Qaddafi was probably one of my favorite horses of all time I got on that horse, I think, seven times. I won Belfouche on that horse twice. Um, I, I won several. I don't know if I – the only time I placed lower than first was at the NFR. I had I had that Qaddafi, and I think ended up splitting third and fourth. Mm. Um, but uh, the time at Bell, the last time I had him at Bell, I was 90 points. It couldn't get any better than that. Then at your hometown rodeo and have the horse you want and be able to be 90 points. That's pretty awesome. Last one, Marvin, you're in the South Dakota sports hall of fame. What does that mean to you? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's humbling. I, there's so many people that are in there that, uh, you know, you just think, man, there's people dedicate their lives to a sport. Um, and if they're lucky, they, you know, they do real well at it. And if they're lucky, lucky, they get to be in the Hall of Fame. There's so many good ones that may not be at the Hall of Fame, but uh, I feel very privileged to to be included in the Hall of Fame there in South Dakota and uh, all the Hall of Fames that I'm in, the Wyoming Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame, uh, uh, the, you know, naturally the the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame, uh, all them things are just just neat that you know that uh, them them deals are going to be there forever. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Programs such as this are only possible through the continued support of our listeners like you. For South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I'm Craig Maddock. Join us again on the next episode of In Play.